Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. Chapter 12, Junior Officer Transition from Active Duty to Reserve. To be or not to be. I'm Lieutenant Commander Denise Romeo, and I'm the Professional Development Officer at Wilson Midland. And I'm here today talking with Captain Armando Rodriguez Feo. He is the Commanding Officer of the Navy Reserve, Wilson Midland. Today, we're going to be talking about um, his transition from active duty to the reserves and uh, his advice going forward for any judge advocates uh, that are considering affiliating with the reserves. So, um, Captain Rodriguez, could you tell us a little bit about your transition from active duty to the reserves? Sure, I'd be happy to. Good morning. It's, uh, you know, and the topic is, is very timely because whenever I come to uh, uh, active duty commands, a lot of junior officers that are at least thinking about the possibility of leaving active duty, you know, ask me about the reserves. And so this podcast, I think, is very timely to um, kind of talk about some, some general themes. So let me start with uh, um, how I made my transition and kind of um, where I started. You know, I uh, joined the Navy uh, right after law school and I served on active duty for 10 years in various roles, defense counsel, uh, prosecutor, um, staff judge advocate, and I, I ended up in uh, Code 14 as a, in the general litigation division. I got out in 2007 after about 10 years of active duty service. Um, then I went to work for the Department of Justice as a trial attorney in the civil division. And then in 2012, um, I went to, uh, to be an in-house counsel with uh, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. So what made you want to affiliate with the reserves after leaving active duty? You know, for me, it was an easy decision. Uh, it, I have been a part of, the military has been a part of me for a very long time. I enlisted in the Army in 1989. And, uh, you know, since then I, I served in the Army Reserve. And then obviously I came, uh, I came to the Navy. So for me, I always wanted to continue to sort of have that foot into, uh, in, into the Navy and continue to, to provide valuable service, which is really what it's, what it's all about from the Reserve standpoint is providing valuable service uh, necessary service to to the active component. So for me, it was an easy decision. It's not always an easy decision for everyone, uh, but for me, it was something where I thought that you know I wanted to continue, um, at least on a part time basis, uh, to serve my country. So I'll call myself out in this and say that while being on active duty now um, eight years, I don't have a lot of information about the reserve uh, the reserve law program. It's not something that we talk about that often. We, uh, a lot of us work with reservists, but I don't think that, that uh, we're familiar really with the reserve law program. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's the reserve law program is modeled very similar to active duty. In other words, we have uh, you know, DSOs, we have RILSOs, we have staff judge advocate commands, we have uh, judge advocates serving for, uh, um, you know, in fleet forces and in, in various of the, uh, you know, higher echelon commands. So it's very similar to what you do on the active duty side. And in terms of the work, it's also very similar. I mean, obviously, we're not there on a full-time basis, and so we're not necessarily as deep into it as, as you know, active duty judge advocates. But by the same token, most of us have gone on to work in the civilian sector. Um, many of us have, have been prosecutors or Department of Justice attorneys or have gone and worked in uh, uh, private law firms, providing legal assistance, providing uh, contracts advice. And so I think a lot of those skill sets kind of lend themselves nicely to 
to being able to, to, to bring that value added uh, that the reserve does and, and, and seamlessly transition between you know, reserve duty uh, and active duty. So it's, it's a pretty broad brush. We have our own flag. We have a Deputy Judge Advocate General for Reserve Affairs and Operations, uh, Deputy Seanails uh, Commander, and she works obviously with, uh, now with Admiral uh, Crawford and Admiral Hannock. And so it's, it's, it's very similar. We rotate in orders, you know, approximately every three or four years. Um, we have various mechanisms to do that with the junior officers. It's, it's, it's more of an informal system. Uh, with senior officers, you go through the apply process in which your record is reviewed, similar to a statutory promotion board, and, you know, and then you're selected for billets that way. What are some of the assignments that you've taken um, uh, in your reserve capacity? So when I left active duty in 2007, my first assignment was uh, Region Legal Service Office, Naval District, Washington. And uh, in that capacity, uh, you know, I did basically pretty much trial services, uh, command services. I'm a, uh, I'm, I mean, you know, the reserve, one of the things about the setup in the reserves is as you become more senior, you become part of a pillar and sort of that's a, a like a specialty designation. It's kind of the community that you belong to. So for example, I'm a pillar one, which is military justice. So that's kind of my assignments will tend to be military justice. There's also a pillar two, which is command services and legal assistance. And there's a pillar three, which is sort of all the other you know specialties, uh, admiralty, environmental. And so that's a decision in terms of getting into a pillar is not something that most uh, folks transitioning from active duty to the reserve are going to have to be concerned about right away. You'll get some assignments and kind of see what what you like and kind of what where you want to be. But ultimately, at least for now, there is this pillar system where you're sort of placed into this uh, into this community of practice. So after I served uh, at Russell Naval District, Washington, um, I was the XO there as well. Then I went to uh, work at the Office of the Judge Advocate General in Code 20. And some of the examples of the work that I did there was, you know, for the most part, I would review um, uh, Article 69 appeals. So uh, it was very interesting work, um, obviously very interesting cases, reviewing the records of trial um, and, uh, and assisting, the, uh, assisting the AJAG with uh, rendering the decision in those, in those cases. After that, I went to work in Code 45 and I was appellate government counsel. And that was a great job. Uh, it's really one of the opportunities that you have as a reservist is the ability to flex drill. And so it's not always about being at a reserve center over the weekends. You can actually uh, do work from home on your own time and you just build for that time just like you would anything else. And the nice thing about that is it really provides a, a valuable service to the active duty component when they need it, as opposed to having a bunch of reservists assembled on the weekends and trying to trying to find to find work um, when you can and most recently i was selected as a commanding officer for the reserve rilso midland and so we're almost like a shadow of the active duty rilso midland because we do a lot of the same things you know, we, we assist with command services we assist with prosecution and obviously we we help to see clients um during legal assistance visits now, you've been here this week um, as our acting CEO, and you've been very um, open and available to talk to uh, JOs and really anyone about the transition um, from the reserves, uh, I'm sorry, from active duty to the reserves and what that's like um, and things to think about. So can you just give um, your, your advice to anyone thinking about leaving active duty? 
Yeah, I think anyone leaving active duty should really think about continuing in the reserve. And I'll tell you why. Just because, you know, sometimes when we leave active duty, the initial reaction is, well, you know, I've done my time. I don't really want to continue with the reserve. I don't want to continue. I don't want to have any obligation to, to the military. But I think that there are so many good reasons to affiliate with the reserve. Some of them are that you continue to earn points uh, and you continue, you can draw retirement at age 60 and that retirement can be fairly considerable. You can also take advantage of the post 9-11 GI Bill and you can continue to uh, you know, assign that benefit until, until you leave a uh, reserve service. You also can take advantage of what's called TRICARE Reserve Select, which is a health insurance uh, program that's available and it's very economical and provides fantastic, uh, fantastic um, benefits. And really, it's, it's, it's a chance to continue to, to, to serve your country in the way that is meaningful, uh, that is valuable. And I think continuing in the Navy Reserve really satisfies um, you know, a need that some of us have to continue to be uh, a part of a, of a greater cause. So what I think I'll leave with is, you know, when you're considering um, whether to leave active duty and whether affiliating the reserve, really think about those things when, you know, that made you join the, the, the Navy in the first place. You know, that, you know, commitment to, to serve the country. And it's something that I think never really leaves you. And really what the reserve does is it gives you the opportunity to continue to do that and have that great feeling of accomplishment but to also be able to balance a civilian career and obviously uh, be able to balance your personal, um, personal and family needs. So last but not least, um, can you do a little myth busting? I know there's some uh, concern for those on active duty thinking if they leave and affiliate with the reserves that they might be immediately mobilized um, while they're in transition and trying to um, focus on uh, outside employment. So can you talk a little bit about that? Certainly, that's a great question, and I think that when someone is thinking about, uh, when they're thinking about leaving active duty and affiliating with the reserves, one of the things that folks are concerned about is joining the reserves and then immediately being mobilized or um, having to, to go on active duty and so to kind of take away from their, their, their brand new um, uh, civilian careers. And so let me just talk about the mobilizations first. So when you transition from active duty uh, to the reserve law program, you can't be mobilized for a period of two years. And so for two years, you won't be called on a mob. You can certainly volunteer. And, you know, I think it's important to note that, you know, we've had a, a, a great number of volunteers um, that put in for mobilizations as they come up. You know, a lot of folks, you know, really do welcome the opportunity to go back on active duty for, you know, six months to a year. In, in, in support of the active duty mission. So we have a, a, a great pool of, of, of uh, volunteers that, that mobilize, and I don't anticipate that that trend is, 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 is going to go, go down in the near future. But again, you can't be mobilized um, involuntarily for two years. The other thing is with respect to time. So you know, if someone's thinking about, you know, they're in a busy civilian career and how they're gonna make time to, to perform in the reserves. And you know, as I noted earlier, we have a lot of opportunities for flex drilling. So it's not that you're going to have to serve, you know, the, like the commercial used to say, you know, one week in the month, two weeks a year. You know, you could go for a number of months without having to, to go into the reserve unit. And in fact, I can tell you that, you know, in my real so, we only require people to 
come in person twice a year, and that's really to do the PRT and you know the other administrative requirements. A lot of the other work is doing admin boards, um, you know, reviewing uh, prosecution memos, things that folks can do from home over the weekend and get paid for it. So uh, I think that if you really do your studies and you know everybody on active duty has probably been exposed to to reservists, ask them about it, and I think I think you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised that a lot of these. Um, things that people talk about, all of this time that it takes and all these mobilizations um, are really myths, um, and that's all they are. Well, Captain rodriguez Feo, I thank you today um, for your time and your uh, candid conversation. We look forward to recording another podcast with you in the near future. Thanks, Denise. I appreciate being here. You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.